Hello, and welcome to another episode of Long Distance Short, giftbasketsoverseas.com's podcast where we talk to real people about the triumphs and tribulations in all kinds of long-distance relationships. Your host is Allie Winters, an international gift consultant who's found success in her own long-distance romances and friendships. Get ready for today's topic, liquor gifts in long-distance relationships, yes or no, and if so, how? Today's guests are David Coy and Sempronia Hobgood. Dave is one of the hosts of the popular podcast, The Gentleman of Elegant Leisure, and Sempi is the social media manager for drinkablegifts.com. So keep listening for great tips on the best ways to send a drinkable surprise to someone you love, even if they're far away. Take it away, Allie. Hi, my dear listeners. Today, we are going to discuss long-distance relationships through the prism of, yes, alcohol. Both David and Sampi have good knowledge in world drinking culture and traditions, so I'm really excited to learn more about it. Hi, Sampi. Hi, David. Hi. Hi. How are you? Very good, thanks. I'm doing well. (laughs) Nice to hear. I'm also totally great discussing such an interesting topic like alcohol, which can serve as a tool for keeping long-distance relationships warm. Um, By the way, I think it's a great icebreaker, uh, especially in my country. I'm originally from Ukraine. Mm, In post-Soviet countries, you know, uh, vodka is considered an everyday meal. (laughs) Of course, it's not so. We prefer being more. Although, yeah, it can break not only eyes, but it can destroy your liver severely. So, is it relatable to you? Do you have so-called drinking labels in the US and Canada? I have a lot of international friends, and they're all shocked by the fact that I don't drink like Budweiser and Bush. Those are like the, yeah. the US <laughs> known brands. They're like, you don't drink those? No, I, I don't. I'm a cider woman uh, or, or a good rum and coke, right? I don't, I just don't touch beer. It's not for me. And that's just, they just blows their mind. And I'm like, well, certainly you have, you know, those, those sorts of myths, what people expect you to drink uh, (laughs) based on where you're from or maybe what you look like. Yeah. That's the same in Canada because we're, you know, known as a beer country more than, well, actually that's changing a bit with our, our wines, but uh, you know, traditionally it's been beer, but I don't drink beer myself, but I and talking about international friends, did you have any experience in sending or receiving alcohol from anybody? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always, uh, I've never actually shipped alcohol to uh, anyone internationally. Uh, my brother-in-law tried to send a bottle of gin, which was from the Philippines, but he actually had it. He, he lives in uh, California. And he tried to send it to me from from California, which is only about, I don't know, a thousand miles or so from where I live. And he sent it through the U.S. mail, but I never actually received the bottle. So I guess it must have broken. I guess you really do have to be careful about <laughs> how how you ship it and what you ship it with. So you probably know more about that, Ali, than, than I do. Do you have any uh, tips on that? Absolutely. Uh, First of all, to make sure your recipient will get the alcohol in the end, you need to ship it within the country of delivery. 
doesn't mean that you need to buy it yourself though uh, especially our company gift baskets overseas does it in a way that we send alcohol from our local office uh, in the country of delivery straight to the address of your recipient therefore if your brother-in-law is in the US but the gift has gone to Canada we'll ship it within Canada this way we avoid unnecessary custom procedures and undesirable invoices sent to the recipients. Uh, for instance, a request to pay a fee for the international shipping, which is not desirable. Important to say, um, some countries have their own restrictions in alcohol delivery and our gift experts know everything about them, so you're welcome to consult them. Uh, for example, it's forbidden to ship any type of alcohol within Morocco or Finland. Yeah, well, there are many similar exceptions. And secondly, any international shipping takes from one to four weeks to arrive at the requested address. However, if you want them to have a bottle of Merlot, let's say, tomorrow, all you need to do is to make the order on our website, givebaskitsoverseas.com, and wait until tomorrow. <laughs> That's it. Uh, we'll take care of everything else. Oh, oh, that's good. So, Ali, you were you were mentioning, you know, if if a brave soul decides they do want to go ahead and send um, a basket from their home to to someone abroad, um, mm -hmm. that it can be done um, at at risk for uh, duty fees and things. If they do decide to do that, what sort of tips would you give somebody for packing their bottle to arrive safely? Of course. Needless to say, the more expensive alcohol you send, the better packaging it has, starting from the quality of paper and finishing with the way it is set in the original box. Um, just remember Dom Perignon champagne packaging. Make sure the box you are using is sturdy and doesn't have any holes in it. Fill in the box with tissue paper or bubble wrap and put it around the bottle. In case you want to send a few bottles, you need to take care of fitted box dividers and inserts, yeah. Rubber bands or shipping tape can be quite helpful too, but uh, forget about aesthetics in this case. Um, after everything is packaged well, try to shake the box a little bit, don't drop it, uh, to predict it's moving during the transportation. I think that's basically it. Uh, so, um... Since you you're dealing a lot with it, with international issues and stuff, can you give us like that? There's certain alcohol gifts uh, that are more popular in some areas than others, or what's your sort of uh, overview on that? That's a good question. Um, in fact, we made some statistics and found out that popular gifts in all countries are different. It's quite predictable. Uh, due to the cultural peculiarities and economic situation in different regions, obviously. Um, for example, in the US, popular gifts are usually those which look big and contain many various items like, um, you know, a few bottles of wine and many boxes of snacks that go along. Uh, in Eastern countries like Japan, the most popular are those which don't contain a lot of items which is absolutely the opposite. An ideal gift set um, for this country probably would consist of one or two bottles of alcohol with a good name, 
combined with a quality box of chocolate, for example. However, our listeners shouldn't bother with doing any kind of research, uh, since giftbasketsoverseas.com has the most popular gifts at the top of the page, uh, no matter what country of delivery you choose. Nevertheless, don't forget to find out your recipient's personal preferences so that your gift is as personalized as possible, of course. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Senpai, I know you've been writing descriptions for the alcoholic gifts on the website. Uh, how do clients know what taste to choose if they are not familiar with, let's say, all sorts of wine or whiskey? gin or whatever uh sure so um this is something that i i end up having to google a lot uh particularly for for wine i'm not a big wine uh drinker and the wines i do like tend to be the really cheap bottom of the barrel bottles um that you wouldn't want to send anyone anyway so um what i do is a lot of googling um because i when looking, especially on gift baskets overseas, uh, there's just very short descriptions and they're pretty clear about what you get in the basket and a general overview of the bottle, but they don't always tell you exactly what you can compare it to, um, to get an idea of flavor. So for that, I Google and I very often end up going to a website um, called thewinesellerinsider.com and you can just look up the exact bottle um, that you're getting ready to purchase, and they'll give you an overview. Um, there's sort of two overviews there. One is the like official wine tasters uh, tell you the bouquet of the wine, which tells me nothing because I've never sniffed a <laughs> bottle and thought I'd drink it. Um, but then they also tell you, okay, it's got chocolate notes or notes of cranberry or uh, pears really well for dessert or this is for somebody having a steak dinner, right? Sort of more practical advice for somebody, especially like me, who doesn't drink a lot of wine. Um, but there's sites on this for, for everything from vodka um, to, to beer, which is uh, really expanded um, in sort of how to describe flavor profiles and educating people on just how different beer can actually be. Um, so I would just encourage people to Google or just ask around for recommendations. Um, a lot of times, especially, um, with customer service agents who've been doing this for a very long time, they sort of have in mind the bottles of wine they know have done best in the past. And so they'll be able to tell you, oh, this has been really friendly for a new drinker, or this is, you know, the kind of liquor you send somebody who's really serious about their liquor collection. Yeah, definitely worth trying. Yeah, I don't drink wine myself, so I can't really uh, <laughs> add too much to uh, what's already been said, but uh, I'll take your advice. Yeah, and talking about popular gifts, do you think there's a universal alcohol gift to give? Um, nowadays, personalization seems to be the answer for literally every question in our consumer society. Uh, but still, I was wondering whether we can come up with one which can help us maintain warm, long-distance relationships with literally anybody? My guess would be wine because it's just been around so long and it's a part of uh, so many different cultures. But uh, again, I think it goes back to you have to know the person fairly well to and make sure you you know know what their preferences are in terms of alcohol. 
other ways you kind of just wasted your money. But um, I think wine is probably certainly up in the top top of the list, I would think. What, what about you guys? I would agree with wine for a couple of reasons, and maybe not all of them are the best reasons, but it's a really easy gift to re-gift. So if you send somebody wine and they don't like it, it's not like yeah. it has to just go die in a shelf. They probably have someone they could then gift the bottle to. Um, you also cook with it a lot. So most wines, particularly like a, a solid dark red, like a Merlot, you can just go ahead and make like a soup with. Um, so if you right. don't necessarily drink it, it's really good for adding like a nice deep body to stock. So if you didn't know that before, go through nice it in your stock, see what happens. It's magical. Right. Um, otherwise, like mixer packs, very often you can find like um, variety packs. So if you don't know what they like, just send them like those mini bottles, especially, and tell them have an adventure. You know, didn't know mm. what you wanted, so I got you a little of everything. <laughs> <laughs> right, All right, sampler. Yeah, it's a good idea. So, Ali, on this topic, what do you recommend? Um, about sending alcohol as a as a business gift because I I know that maybe some offices frown on that entirely. How do you recommend people going to send it? You know, either from a business partner to another business partner or just to like um, other offices. How they go about making sure they're not crossing any lines? Uh, yes. We have delivered thousands of corporate orders before to thousands of companies, um, the different countries. And yeah, there are a few rules that I can indicate. Uh, one, uh, all the alcohol is quite a universal gift. It does not work everywhere. And it even can play a bad joke with you. Some companies simply refuse gifts that contain alcohol. Yeah due to their company's internal policies or religious or political situations or whatever it can be. Uh, to if this company sent you an alcoholic gift before, it's definitely a good sign. This means that in 99% of cases, you can send an alcoholic gift back and it would be appreciated simply because you have the same drinking culture. Uh, yes, and three, do some Googling before making the final decision. Even the surname of the CEO can sometimes tell you that alcohol is a taboo there, in Islamic countries, for instance. By the way, if we decide to send alcohol for the first time to a person we don't know well, what's the best one that can be used as an icebreaker? Well, um, if you're if you're sending someone something international, um, I would I would think that sending something that's uh, well known or liked in your own culture uh, would give be a good thing to send someone in a in a, a different country that maybe doesn't have access to the same sort of uh, alcohol or wine or beer. I think. Um, you know, that's a good sort of icebreaker is you're sharing something from your own culture and uh, letting someone else from a different culture, uh, you know, try it and see if they like it. I, you know what, I 100% agree with that idea, but I'm going to expand on it further because I'm the kind of girl who likes to drink with a snack. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think booze uh, goes best with dessert. 
Um, so I think, especially where it's maybe a little more difficult to send international bottles of wine, maybe it's just, or, or alcohol, like to hard liquor, maybe it's more difficult to find. You can usually always find snacks. Like, I don't know what's happened with U.S. candies recently, but it seems you can find them all over the world. Um, so when I send gifts to friends, I try and like sneak in like a Reese's bar or like some Godiva chocolate or, you know, some of my favorites, real, real like care package type stuff. Um, so they can have a, a snack break on me and because I think food is love. And <laughs> if food is love, then food and alcohol has to be like the best hug you've ever gotten mm-hmm. without actually being there to give a hug. Can't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> now, a few words for the sponsors of this episode, the international alcohol delivery company, drinkablegifts.com. It's never been easier to send family and friends their favorite drink or a new cocktail, no matter where they are in the world. With beer, wine, and liquor delivery to more than 175 countries, drinkablegifts.com is ready to help you send a toast around the globe. And talking about drinking culture, there is such a thing like um, drinking games. They are not that popular as video games, but they are getting popular every day. Um, so do you have any ideas on that regard? Um, I've never played drinking games. Um, I've always preferred just to have conversation with someone and have, share a drink. But so it's not, it's not part of my history at all. So I, I'm afraid I, I can't give you much helpful input on that. So I'll have to leave it up to you guys if you have uh, some drinking game experiences. So, you know, when we were, when we were talking about what we were going to talk today, and you guys let me know this might come up as a topic, I had thought I had never played a drinking game. And I asked around to my friends, and it turns out I have, um, especially among nerd culture. So people who watch things like Doctor Who or Lord of the Rings or the Harry Potter movies, you know, a hundred times until you can quote along with the actors. Um, it has become popular to pick a word that is maybe overused in whatever you're watching and you drink every time that's said. <laughs> um, I very I very much recommend that when you do this, you pick a word where you drink either a shot or a sip of your alcohol. Um, I recommend mixed drinks, not hard shots, or you will regret it. Um, and then pick another word where everybody has to drink then water. Um, to stay hydrated, so you can actually make it through the entire event. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I say this uh, not from immense amounts of practice, but having thought it through the first time I did it, uh, because we did it with the um, with the Lord of the Rings series, and anytime the One Ring was mentioned, people had to drink, and I thought, oh God, we're all going to die. We have to come up with countermeasures. So then we came up with specific rules of, okay, anytime somebody makes fun of an elf, not just Legolas, any elf, then you get to drink water, right? Or anytime, you know, Gimli has, somebody makes a short joke about a dwarf, you also have to drink water, which made it much more, much more bearable. Um, (laughs) And you got to pick your drink, of course. So I was sitting there with just a, just a mixed drink, but you know, some people decided to do it with with shots. It's all about knowing your own tolerance. 
um, and having flexible rules, I think. It's also a good game for introverts. Yes, <laughs> introverts unite in your own home. Yeah. <laughs> But there are more sporting ones. There are more competitive ones. It was pretty pervasive, uh, especially when I was going to college here in the U.S., that people would play beer pong mm-hmm. or variations of beer pong. I'm not really sure who decided that alcohol and sports mixed. Um, but it's fun to watch. It's a hilarious game to watch. Um, but I don't... I can't think of any other country I know of Allie, maybe you can help me out here that has like a a, a sport-type drinking game. Yeah. Here in Russia and Ukraine, uh, there's an internet joke about one simple um, drinking game. Uh, the sport in which you drink and become winner is called Liter Ball. A liter here refers to the amount of alcohol one can drink. Uh, there are no balls, obviously. And the rules are quite simple. You drink more than your bodies, so you win. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, also, I've heard about chess drinking game. Uh, all you need to have is a chess desk, alcohol and glasses instead of chess pieces. Uh, but you need to make sure that the glasses which you put on the chess desk are different, as we need, uh, you know, a queen, knight or bishop, well, etc., etc., because we will play a real game with them on a chess desk, obviously. Uh, so once you lose your piece, you have to drink it. I think this might also be a way to make chess more popular, is to tell <laughs> We've been doing it wrong all these years. You could have been drinking. Or checkers uh, for beginners. (laughs) But um, you will get drunk a little bit faster, I think. (laughs) I think if you can play chess drunk, then you get to call yourself an honorary grandmaster. Yeah, it's a really interesting idea. It should be more popular, definitely. I agree. So talking about all of these games and ways to get drunk faster and with friends... Uh, what are some tips on on drinking safely? We've mentioned staying hydrated, but maybe other ways, especially when you're not with your partner. How do you sort of keep an eye on them, um, make sure they're they're getting home safely, that sort of thing? Well, I definitely make a plan ahead of time and not sort of leave it till <laughs> until it's um, you know they're already well into drinking. And definitely, it's always better to have a person in a company who doesn't drink. Um, well, otherwise, you should certainly take a taxi. Or, yeah, like a designated driver or somebody in the group. My my friend's group has a rule, and I think this rule should be spread around the world, that whoever is the designated driver for the evening eats free. So they get whatever, right. if they're, they get their food bought and paid for. Right. Because um, they're making sure everyone gets home safely. But with the with the advent, especially of like Uber um, and similar road services, it's become a lot easier to order a cab for somebody, even if you're not, you know, you don't even have to be in the same city, let alone the same country, right. um, to just say, okay, hey, you, thanks for letting me know that you're drunk. I'm going to send you an Uber um, and sort of stay on the phone with them to make sure they get in the right car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually make it all the way home. Um, you don't, that could be an embarrassing story to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, if let's say in a, in a slightly different story, one person who is in another country doesn't drink and you are a hard drinker. So uh, how do we do here? How can we, so to say, share fun? Drink club soda? <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I don't, I don't think, I don't really view it too much as a problem. I mean, you just make sure that uh, you, you bring along something that you either like or, um, you know, hopefully where you're going, you can order what you want. And, uh, you know, one person can enjoy the alcohol and one person enjoys, uh, you know, a mocktail or some, some other sort of uh, drink. I think mocktails are one of the better, yeah. I don't want to say better idea, but I think it's a more fun idea. Then they still get to have all the same flavor that you're having and none of the hangover. So really they're winning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm. I would, I would just keep in mind um, as, as somebody who, who mixed drinks for a couple of years um, when you do make a mocktail, do not make it exactly as you would the cocktail minus the alcohol, especially in things like daiquiris or margarita where they, they call for a simple syrup or an excessive amount of sugar. I would, I would take some of that away um, because when you're adding alcohol to a drink, you really need more sugar to counteract how bitter, uh, especially things like rum and tequila can be. And when you're making a mocktail, there's none of that bitterness to counteract the sweetness. So you don't want to end up with something that's just a sugar bomb. That's just going to give you a stomach ache. Um, but I feel like especially virgin daiquiris uh, are really great to make. They're really tasty. And you can actually take the leftovers, put them in your freezer, and turn them into popsicles. <laughs> yeah. And let's imagine there are a few people drinking via Skype or on the phone um, how do we make it more fun if they are far away from each other? Or send them a gift of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they get it, you can, uh, you can have the same thing and there you go. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think uh, trying to make the same cocktail, especially if you're doing it over Skype and if oh, one yeah. of you is maybe not so handy in the kitchen, maybe even kitchen cursed, watching them make their own cocktail um, that can be the event. You maybe don't even need a drink after that. You're already happy. Oh, yeah. And uh, as David uh, is a maestro of cocktails, um, and he has uh, his own podcast, Gentleman of Elegant Leisure, I think he has a few good recipes to share. Well, um, there's one I picked out, and it's from um, it's from an ebook we have on uh, my podcast website. It's called um, Seven Rare Cocktails That Taste Great. And it's the cocktails from um, about 1939. And it's just three ingredients. So it's uh, you take one ounce of gin, one ounce of Swedish punch. And uh, I'll just explain a little bit more about Swedish punch because it's not all that, that, that well known, but it's a type of liqueur that's it's popular in Sweden and Finland, and it's um, it's either it's got either uh, a brandy or rum in it with uh, lemon and spices, sugar, and then water. And and um, if you can't find that, you can always substitute Swedish punch with with uh, brandy or rum because it's already in Swedish punch. So that's a, that's a good alternative. It's probably um, 
more common to have uh, rum or brandy on your um, cocktail bar shelf. And then you add one ounce of grape juice. So one ounce of gin, one ounce of Swedish punch, and one ounce of grape juice. And then you shake the ingredients in an ice cocktail shaker, and then you strain it into a, a chilled cocktail glass. So it's uh, it's very easy to make. It's got all the same proportions, so you can't really uh, mess it up too bad. <laughs> and uh, if you want that and more cocktails, you can go to our website. We have the, the ebook for free. You just uh, go to gentleman of Such an interesting topic. And by the way, what is the cocktail, which is relatively easy to make, but certainly worth making for everyone, like something totally new and unusual? I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's necessarily easy to make, but it's not hard. It's certainly ingredients uh -huh. that you can, uh, yeah, it's called the Buffalo Negra. And so you take one and a half ounces of bourbon, you take uh, four basil leaves, uh, brown sugar cube, and then half an ounce of balsamic syrup, which I'll explain in a minute, and then two ounces of ginger beer. So then you just, you muddle the balsamic syrup and basil and sugar cube in a mixing tin, and then you add the bourbon and ice and, and shake it hard then strain it over um, ice cubes into an old fashioned glass and then top, top with ginger beer to whatever your tolerance for ginger beer is. And then you can garnish it with uh, a basil leaf. So and the balsamic vinegar, uh, sorry, so the balsamic syrup is really easy. You just take a quarter cup of balsamic vinegar and a quarter cup of simple syrup, which is just sugar water, um, sort of a one-to-one -one ratio and just put it in a saucepan over medium heat and bring it to a boil. You let it uh, reduce a bit and let it simmer for at least a minute, stirring it occasionally. Um, and then take it away, take it off away from the heat and just let it cool to room temperature. And then you can add it into the uh, into the cocktail as, as needed. But um, it's one, I, it's not that well known, the Buffalo Negra. I think it's, it's really a, a good cocktail. I think it's, um, it's not too strong, and I, so I think people who like a sweeter cocktail might might like this as well. So, um, yeah, so that that's also in our book as well, the Buffalo Negra. And ginger beer actually is a good ingredient for um, for quite a few cocktails. We've used ginger beer quite a bit over our the course of our show, so it's uh, it's always a good thing to have in stock. I got interested. Uh, we'll certainly make it at home. And for our dear listeners not to lose these amazingly striking cocktail recipes, we will leave all the links for them on our blog and in the description. Or you can visit gentlemanofelegantleisure.com and check them out directly. Dear David and Sampi, thank you so much for coming. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. And our dear listeners, stay tuned for your next episode of Long Distance Short in a month's time. Thanks for listening to Long Distance Short, giftbasketsoverseas.com's podcast with real people in real long-distance relationships. Make sure to subscribe and keep tuning in for a new episode every month. If you have any questions or ideas for a future podcast, make sure to drop us a line at podcast at giftbasketsoverseas.com. That's podcast at giftbasketsoverseas.com dot com.